Welcome to Kindness of the Crowd. I am so thrilled that you're here with us today. Today I'm talking about personal finance, a topic that is important, but maybe not one that gets talked about enough. I'm speaking with my dear friend, Ashley, all about personal finance and connecting her with a personal finance guru. So let's get started. I was really excited to talk about personal finance because it's something that I've thought about a lot. You know, I've I've read books, I've talked to people about it, but it's, it can sometimes be seen as, as something that if you're not taught it early on in your life, it's kind of unattainable. So anyways, I was really excited to speak with my friend, Ashley Brown, all about her journey with personal finance. And that's where we start off today. Hey, Ashley, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. So I was going to just do rapid fire questions, but I know uh, from our history, you hate that. I do hate rapid fire questions in an informal conversation. Yes. All right. (laughs) No, totally fine. Get it. No problem. All right. So Ashley Brown, tell me this. Uh, So I know you. Uh, but you know, obviously a lot of people, not, not a lot of other people know you. I mean, not a lot of people, <laughs> people don't know you. It's, you are known, but some people, for people that don't know you, who are you? I know you, but like no one else does. <laughs> no one knows you. No, no. So Just, let's start there. <laughs> let's expand for the 10 people that know you. We know you, but like there's so many more people who don't. So I just mean, <laughs> I just, I just mean all the people that are listening, people listening to this aren't going to know you. That's all I meant. <laughs> there are probably five people who know you. So let's, uh, <laughs> for those, for the five people, for the not five people, who are you, you know? <laughs> So my name is Ashley Brown. I am from the Bay Area, um, grew up here, uh, moved, went to undergrad at UPenn. Uh, after undergrad, I moved to New York and worked at Macy's for about five years, loved living in the city, loved my job, um, but was ready for a change. So I just went back to business school where I met you, Jonathan, um, went to Fuqua School of Business at Duke. Um, I got a job at Pepsi doing CPG marketing. Um, I, for that job, I moved back to New York. Um, I was, I've been living there since 2019. Um, I was expecting to still be living there, but once COVID hit, uh, I ended up moving out of my apartment and I'm now back in Berkeley, California, living with my mom, um, and our two dogs. Nice. <laughs> nice. See, now more people know you. This is great. Uh, thanks, Ashley. I appreciate that. So tell me, yeah, I'd love to just kind of start off um, by asking you why you agreed to do the podcast in the first place. So I would say there are a couple reasons why I agreed to do this. The first is I feel like I'm in a period or stage of wanting to grow And this is something that I would usually just say, no, thank you, because it's not necessarily my style um, to, you know, 
do something like this, but I felt in this growth stage, let's just say it keeps saying yes to things and to opportunities. So that's one reason. The second is I'm happy to help you out with something. So that's why I said yes to that. And then the third reason is when you told me about the premise of this being, you know, you come to me, we'll talk about something that you need help with. I will look within my network to see if I can find someone who can help you with that. Of course, I'll say yes, because, you know, who doesn't like someone helping with them with one of their problems? So right. Right. Um, I'm I'm open to the process and I feel like I'll benefit from it ultimately. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's why I agreed to do this. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad you agreed to do this. And yeah, let's hope, you know, let's hope there's some benefit for you here. Um so I think, you know, maybe my last question that I want to touch on is just what what drove you to want to focus in on reflecting on kind of personal finance? And, you know, was it because it's, you know, um, you just felt like I'm in a time of growth or was there something else? No, I would say it's more related to I think during COVID, I've had more time to just kind of reflect on um you know, where I am in my life, where, what are the goals that I have? What are some of the things that maybe I didn't prioritize because I was just moving forward and not being reflective. Um, and I think with my world feeling like it's pretty still right now, just like it's slower. It, I'm trying to be really intentional. Um, and just being open to, to growing and to, taking on opportunities that I may not have when I was just going through, you know, my day-to-day life before. Right. Um, so I would say it's more related to just the time and the energy that COVID has mm. kind of put on my life right now yep. um, has opened me up to new experiences. Yep. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense for sure. Um, yeah. So let's talk about, you know, your background with personal finance and money management more generally. Yeah, so I would say in a time where everything has been kind of shaken up, um, I talked about the fact that I moved out of my apartment. I now live at home with my mom um, temporarily. I've been really thinking about like what is the next stage of my life going to look like and what are the things that are in my control and what are the things that are not in my control. And one thing that I have been thinking about a lot that feels like it's in my control and I could spend the time now really trying to come up with a plan for is just some of the um, like financial steps that I need to take. Uh, so I just getting graduated from business school, living in New York. Um, I definitely have student loan debt. Um, I, because of the cost of living in New York, I try to save a little bit, but like haven't been able to really prioritize it to the level that I am able to now without having um, rent and certain expenses. Um, and so now I'm thinking about, you know, how do I, one, conquer some of that student loan debt, but then also set myself up for being able to hit certain milestones that I want to in the next phase. So whether it's eventually buying a house or, um, you know, just making sure that my retirement is set up. There's a lot of financial goals that I'm trying to establish and I um, could really use some help with someone really help like guiding me through that process of um, kind of financially planning for my next phase of life. Right, right. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So it sounds like, you know, someone to, to really bounce ideas off of, but maybe to also come up with a plan. Um, yeah, kind of meet you where you're at and come up with, you know, how are you going to hit these different personal goals, uh, personal finance goals, it sounds like. And, you know, I'm also, I'm also curious, like, of all the kind of different areas that you could focus in on and, and make progress towards, can you tell me a little bit around, like, why this, this area is so important to you or, like, you know, why this one happens to be kind of top of mind, personal finance in particular? This one, this problem, I think, has been pretty top of mind for me recently. Um, I think it's because, one, I something I talked about earlier is I kind of have a moment to really just sit and think. And I also am thinking about what, how do I set myself up once life returns to normal? So uh, when I think about moving back to New York, you know, and having to pay bills again, I'm, I'm just putting a lot of thought into finances um, I'm also seeing a lot of people make some big transitions or make, make some big moves, right? Like I said, buying houses, um, moving around, like those, as you're seeing your peers do that, um, I think it's natural to think about, okay, well, where am I in this? And am I where I want to be? And what, how can I get there? Um, and so for me, I feel like it has caused a lot of limit, not necessarily limitations, but it is a big you know, the amount of student debt I have is something that I, it's not just insignificant. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, a, a small bill. It's, it's something that will actually affect my ability to, like I said, buy a house, like all these things that I want to do in, in next stage of life as I keep referring to it as. So, um, I don't know. It's just, I've had time to really think about it in this time and also feel like because I'm not living, I'm not paying rent. I have like, there are a lot of bills I don't have right now. I could make a lot of headway, um, and progress to solving this problem at this time, which is pretty unique. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a unique time. And yeah, I think given the fact that you set yourself up really well, like, you know, it's also a good time to get a plan in place and to your point, make a lot of progress. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. So that was my conversation with Ashley and I was really excited because I found someone for her to work with. And so up next, you're going to hear that conversation. I sit down with Wilson Muscadin and I talked to him all about the way he thinks about personal finance, why he was even willing to do this show with us, why he was willing to meet with Ashley. Um, yeah. And share a little bit more about his story. Stay tuned. Wilson, before we get started, I did just want to thank you so much for being a part of the show. It means a lot to me uh, and certainly means a lot to Ashley. So thanks again. Well, thank you for having me. This is, this is exciting. I, I love the idea for the show, so I'm, um, I'm really excited and honored to be here. So to get started, Wilson, I would love to just hear a little bit more about you, the Money Speakeasy, the organization you run. What led you down this path? Why, why personal finance? Why did you want to help people? Uh, yeah, just a little bit more about you. It'd be awesome. Yeah, it's, um, it's somewhat interesting. Uh, what led me to personal finance, I would actually say, is my father. Um, so uh, both my parents are uh, Haitian immigrants. Uh, they came to the country, uh, immigrated country before I was born. Um, but um, my father had a different take on, um, on sort of allowance, if you will, uh, the idea of an allowance. Uh, he didn't believe in um, 
basically paying you to do stuff that you were supposed to do like chores mm -hmm. right and mm -hmm. so the agreement my father and i had was that um i would get my allowance based on the books that i read that he chose okay so um i would either you know read the book and have a conversation with him about it or i'd have to write a book report on it in order to get my allowance and it just so happened that many of those books that he assigned to me were personal finance books. Oh my so, gosh. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> and I know that sounds really nerdy and ridiculous, but, um, but um, th those were the conversations that we were having. So you imagine me as a preteen reading things yeah. like, um, you know, um, The Millionaire Next Door and Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, yeah. um, you know, even like stuff like personal, like personal help books, like Dale Carnegie's How to uh, Win Friends and Influence People, right? And so I'm writing right. book reports on these things. I'm like, you know, 11, <laughs> 12 years old. Uh, and so, but those were the, some of the conversations that we were having for a very young, uh, at a very young age. I didn't realize that that was weird or very different. Um, mm. I didn't realize that wasn't a thing until I got to college. Mm. And when I got to college, that was the first time, you know, being away from my parents and seeing, like observing how people were spending money, right? Um, mm -hmm. And at that time, um, this is late 90s, early 2000s, um, if, um, if you remember in school, uh, when you go to the cafeteria, if you're in college and go to the cafeteria, particularly the first couple weeks, they had that table that was set out where they were given, you know, free hats, free tchotchkes, stuff like that, um, if you signed up for a credit card. And so within a few weeks of starting school, all of a sudden I could see my friends using credit cards to buy things like, you know, pizza and, and clothes and all this new stuff. Yeah. And it, like, it, it really like, I really couldn't understand why um, why people were spending money this way. And at that time, particularly in the late 90s, early 2000s, debit cards weren't really widely in circulation. So if you were using a card, it was pretty mm -hmm. much, you, you pretty much knew it was a credit card. So I was like, why would you use a credit card to buy pizza? <laughs> it didn't, <laughs> so, um, so what I realized was just, you know, asking simple questions or whatnot, uh, two things came out. One is that my experience in terms of having these money conversations with my father um, mm -hmm. was weird and different. And two, that people didn't necessarily talk about money amongst themselves, you know, very readily. Uh, right. I often say that money is uh, one of our last remaining taboo topics because we see our all kinds of personal self about ourselves um, in social media. And then I, I often say it's more likely you know more about your best friend's sex life than you do about their personal finances and their debt. And Gosh, so yeah. <laughs> that's true for oh. most people. And so that's, um, that really was part of the genesis of the Money Speakeasy because I wanted to um, basically create an environment like a speakeasy where we can come and talk about sort of this private topic that we call money. It is such a private, it is such a private topic and it's too bad, you know, because I think you could learn a lot from one another um, around personal finance and kind of to this point around learning, did you did you take it upon yourself to go and take formal training uh, on personal finance or were there a lot of opportunities as you were growing up to to learn about personal finance, whether that be through classes or I don't know, some other kind of training that you engaged with in some capacity? Yeah. So uh, the answer is no. Um, so <laughs> I have. Yeah. Um, so I, obviously, you know, through uh, personal education, 
um, you know, figuring out the, the world of finance, but I've worked in the financial services industry for my entire career, and that's up to, what, almost 20 years at this point. But mm-hmm. with my undergrad degree was in business, my, um, my grad, I have an MBA, <laughs> um, and worked in the financial services industry for, for 20 years. And w- within that time, in terms of the topic of personal finance, how to manage my own personal finances, there was never a class on that. And that's one of the things, one of the, going back to why I started the Money Speak Easy, that's one of those things where this is not something that we're really diving into in school that we're really talking about. You know, uh, how to manage credit, right? Um, right? When you have savings, where do you put it? Well, you know, what's the order? What are, what are investments about? These are all things that you sort of, uh, particularly if you're not learning it from your parents, a lot of people are learning it in the school of hard knocks, let's say, right? right. <laughs> it's it's right. We're, we're, we're just learning by doing and making those mistakes. So to, and put that on top of the fact that um, it is still a taboo topic. So many mm. of us are making the same mistakes. And that's one of the other reasons why I thought it was so important to have um, a, a community and uh, an environment for people to have answer those questions. Um, about personal finance, because there's a lot of blame, shame, and guilt um, mm-hmm. that in, is in the world of personal finance, and people don't want to ask the questions. They think it's a dumb question, like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm supposed to know because I'm an MBA and that kind of thing. Right. And um, it, the truth is a lot of people don't know because there, there's um, there, there's not a mechanism, for <laughs> a strong mechanism for, for people to learn about these things. Yeah, and it, it really is too bad that that isn't, more ingrained in our educational system or that it is such a that's such a taboo. I love the name of your organization, Money Speakeasy. I was I was wondering what the what the speakeasy referred to, but could we do could we go a little bit deeper on this idea of look, it's it's still taboo. Like why is it, Wilson? Why is it after all this time we all know we have these problems, uh, you know, especially the millennial generation we all, you know, there is debt. Some people don't have it, of course, but a lot of people do. Why do we still struggle? Why do we still struggle to, to talk about these things? Yeah, so what I think, um, whether it's the financial services industry or people in general, don't um, recognize or appreciate is that um, money ties to us personally. Money is emotional. And, you know, especially as guys, we like to think, you know, well, it's not emotion. It's just the numbers, right? It's, it's just the numbers. <laughs> right? Of course, right, um, right. You know, the numbers say this, this is what we're going to do. And um, to a certain extent, uh, money is, let's talk from a male perspective, money is directly tied to our ego, right? Our mm. ability to provide. If I can't create, you know, financial resources, that somehow makes me less of a man, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so that is very emotional. Right. And so, um, you know, uh, j- j- just as an aside, like the, the idea, like, well, I can't really get married until I figure out, you know, my, you know, my, get my money straight. <laughs> like that kind right, of thing, right. Right. So like that is delaying a life decision. Right. And so um, so I think that is the aspect of it that brings in shame, blame and guilt. And there's also this sort of, you know, comparison game, even from a uh, from a potential potentially from a female perspective, of having um, a level of security around them, right? To be able to um, operate in an environment where um, they can, you know, do what they want, right? The the level of security um, necessary. So that is emotional as well. If I don't have 
um, if I'm not financially stable, I feel really insecure, I feel unsafe. Okay, so, mm. so there is a lot of emotion that is tied to money. And then we're playing this whole like, you know, um, I did this, you did that kind of thing, and uh, the social media sort of um, showing your highlight reel, <laughs> you know, those kinds of right. things. And we're comparing right. ourselves to others where, um, you know, people are putting their vacation photos on Facebook and, uh, and, and social media, and you have no idea how they paid for that stuff. You don't know if that came from an inheritance. You don't know if that's all on credit cards. You have no idea, but you're setting yourself up for this comparison. So that's a lot of the ways that the shame, blame, and guilt come into fruition. And I think particularly myself as a financial coach, I, don't, I can't just speak to numbers, right? That doesn't right. move people. Like the numbers, the numbers are a factor, but what, what really helps people is understanding the emotional aspect of it understanding where those emotions are coming from because the emotions affect the decisions that you make. And so right. understanding people, understanding their motivations, understanding what it is that they really want, because at the end of the day, money is just simply a resource. At the end of the day, what we really want to do is to use that resource to provide us for things that we really genuinely care about. Yeah. Kind of taking the emotion out of it and or trying to, but you know, it's more about, look, this is a resource. What do I want personally? Um, and how, how's my money going to help me get there? Yeah, no, that, that absolutely makes sense. Um, Wilson, I'd love to learn a little bit more about why you agreed to participate in our show. You know, you're a busy person. Um, why, like, why do you want to help? Why did you, why did you want to help and be a part of the show and in particular, um, help Ashley? So particularly with, the last year that we've had um when we're talking about a global pandemic um we're talking about our country being as divided as arguably it ever has been we absolutely have to get back to stuff that connects us right we're disconnected politically um you know um ideologically and we're disconnected physically by this pandemic and so the idea that we've got to figure out ways to get back connected, um, to see ourselves in each other, to um, feel like we are responsible um, for the overall well-being of everybody else that we're connected to um, is really, really important to me. I mean, that's part of my mission in personal finance, but I also connected to that in the premise of the show, that we are not just ourselves and our nuclear families, we are an interconnected, um, you know, global, <laughs> global system. And right. so um, when you when you give, when you are um, able to do something for somebody else, that not only links you to that person, but because you're amplifying that voice, it connects other people. Uh, and it allows somebody else to say, you know what, I saw that I'm going to do something for somebody else. And so it gets back to us. It's like the antidote to what we've seen over the past two years. And so that's what I was mm -hmm. really attracted about. Well, I'm so thrilled that, that you decided to, to join our show today and took it a step further and, and have agreed to, to meet with Ashley. So to shift gears a little bit, I'd love to hear what do you think 
you know, I, I played for you her clip and, and shared with you the interview I had with her. What do you think that she's thinking? Like what, when you hear that, yeah, what is, what comes to mind? What do you think she's thinking? She probably feels like her situation is uncommon, but her situation is very common and very relatable. Mm. It's part of the reason, again, why um, I started the Money Speak Easy. Um, one of the things about it, uh, again, I mentioned that I worked in the, I've been working in the financial services industry my entire career. One of the things that I was really um, frustrated by is that the financial services industry is very well designed to help a very small percentage of people in the US. Like, well, let's just say the top 10% from a wealth standpoint of people in the United States. There are services galore for those folks. But the, the remaining 90% are either drastically underserved or outright ignored. So Ashley can't just walk into a bank and say, hey, um, you know, I'm trying to think about um, you know, the best way to organize my finances so that I can hit these different priorities. What do you think I should do? That's not a conversation that she's going to have with a financial advisor or anybody like that that's going um, to help her through those questions without trying to sell her some product, right? And so right. the other thing that's really important in my response to that and what's really common is that one of the I would say the majority of the most important financial decisions that you're going to make in your life often happen before the age of 35, right? So your level of uh, your level of education, your career choice, um, when you start to save and invest consistently, your first home purchase, you know, um, children, right? So those aren't solely financial decisions, but they have significant impacts on the trajectory of your financial life. And guess what? There's not a lot of resources for Ashley or somebody like Ashley to be able to say, I have some questions about what direction I should go and what I should prioritize first. And that's why for me, financial coaching was so important for people like Ashley to be able to say, hey, what I would tell her is as a financial coach, my job isn't to tell you what to do with your money. You work really hard for your money. You do whatever you want with your money. My job as a financial coach is to be a mirror to you. And what that mirror does is it reflects back to you a simple question. And the question is simple, but not easy. That mm. question is, does your bank statement reflect your personal values, priorities, and goals. Does your bank statement reflect your personal priorities and goals? And another way to ask that same question is, are you spending the most on what's most important to you and the least on what's least important to you, right? So when you look at your, uh, I, I try to avoid saying the word budget because it has such a negative connotation, but when <laughs> yeah. you look at managing your cash flow in a way that reflects your personal values, priorities, and goals, that is a different sort of set of circumstances. So that would be the conversation that I would have with Ashley is to say, help me understand what is the most important to you, right? What is your highest priority? And let's organize your finances in a way that reveals what your values are. Right. That's how we can move forward. Absolutely. Well, Wilson, thank you so much for making time today 
it has meant a lot to me. I learned so much from our, our short conversation today. Really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, thanks again. And uh, I can't wait to hear how your conversation with Ashley goes. But yeah, thanks again for connecting and, and really leaning in and for being with us today. Awesome, awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Wilson was such a pleasure to speak with. And you know, what's great about him too is you can tell he cares so much about this, right? He cares about making sure that people that maybe don't always have access to these tools and resources actually do with him. And he's always there to, to answer questions and his organization is really fantastic. So um, anyways, up next, we hear from Ashley Brown. We're gonna check in with her to see how her engagement with Wilson went. What did she learn? What did she like? Uh, and what is she implementing based off her conversation with Wilson? Stick around. Ashley Brown, welcome back. Um, and to I guess let's start where things left off. So I connected with both you and Wilson and then sent an email introducing the two of you. Um, yeah. Tell me about the experience. Like what, what happened after that? Sure. Um, so I scheduled a meeting time with him um, and going into it, I knew that I wanted to just I wasn't really sure exactly how we would structure the conversation. Um, I'm definitely one of those kinds of people that like likes to know, like, what are all the topics we're going to hit? But we, I kind of relinquished that control, um, oh, just man. knowing because that's what he does you professionally. Must... So I knew he would guide me through the conversation. Um, and he just asked me, you know, what are some of the things that are top of mind for me. Um, what am I trying? What are my goals? Mm -hmm. And really, he and I just had a good, you know, 45 minute long conversation about, um, you know, where I am financially today, what are some of my goals? And he just gave me a lot of really great things to, to think about throughout the conversation. Mm. That's great. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, so you and I talked a little bit about the problem statement or the thing that you wanted help with. How did you set it up for Wilson? Yeah. Um, so going into the conversation, I kind of let him know things that are top of mind for me right now, which is um, I think the thing that keeps me up at night is student loan debt. Yeah. Um, and that is actually something that he has a personal experience with having gone to business school himself. Um, and so that was something that I, you know, relayed to him as what I would like to first conquer or what is the financial thing that's grounding me and wanting to seek help. Um, but then I also talked to him a little bit more broadly about like, that's the one thing that I can definitely identify as something I want to conquer. But also more broadly is I'm 30 years old. I have, I'm starting to think about what I call is like phase, the next phase for me, which is, you know, those longer term financial goals, making sure that my retirement's set up, that I, I want to buy a house mm -hmm. sooner rather than later. I want to just things that in my mind um, are kind of that checklist of what you can, what I feel like I should accomplish next. Mm -hmm. um, and so we started in the student loan area and then it kind of went off into a lot of different um, things that concern me. And he really helps me bring back to like what his focuses as a, as a financial coach, which is to understand what exactly your goals are and why they are your goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, 
it makes sense to try to start like foundationally. And it sounds like you didn't do too much like tactical work. It was more big picture, uh, things like that. We didn't get into the tactical part of it. Um, but I will say one other thing that he made me think about in the, you know, in the session was I'm, he's really about getting to the why, um, behind your your goals so i had kind of said you know i have all this debt i also one day want to own a home and i'm just thinking of like i said like i'm 30 years old i have just kind of these things that i feel like i should do because for reasons right like i think it could help increase like my my net worth etc it's a good investment Mm -hmm. decision um and he was really like, but why? Like, is it, it is, and I was like, I don't know. I just feel like it's something I should do because yeah, I'm 30 dude. years old, you know, just very yeah. like, I hadn't really done a lot of deep thinking behind it um, necessarily. And that's fine because that's where I'm at at this point. Yeah. But it did help me think about, you know, like before I start just saying things <laughs> that I feel like I should do because it feels like the right thing to do at a certain age. Yeah. Perhaps I should put a little bit more rigor and think about like whether that actually aligns to what I want my life to be. Do I want to have the flexibility of moving around right now? Do I want to be held down to something? Right. Do I want to live in New York right now? Like all these things that my life choices don't necessarily line up to in terms of my financial goals. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, really getting to the why of things that I have on my, on my checklist was a good, um, thought exercise for me. And I think if I, it sounds like I probably need a little therapy as well. <laughs> um, so, That's what next, Ashley. <laughs> I told you I had a list of, of problems to solve, Jonathan. <laughs> I mean, look, we, we all do. We all do. Um, so another thing I was going to ask you about, he his company, right, is called The Money Speakeasy. And he says, you know, the reason I call it The Money Speakeasy is because money is a topic that people feel so uncomfortable talking about. It's, it's really taboo. And one of the things he says is that, you know, look, millennials... They knew they know more about their friends' sex lives than they know about their bank accounts. Um, what do you think about that? Do, like, is that something you agree with? I one hundred percent agree with that. Okay. I know way more about my friends' <laughs> sex lives than I do about their finances. Yeah. Um, Why do you think it is? And also, just everything else. I think. Yeah. It is the one that aside. I know about their relationships. I know about their jobs. I know about a lot more, even their mental health journey. I mean, even things that have previously maybe been taboo or you don't get too much into, we're, we're talking about now. Um, and we talk about freely. And But when it comes to, you know, how, how much exactly are you saving? How, what is your goal? What? Mm-hmm. How are you approaching investing? We talk about it here and there, but definitely not to the level that we do other other topics um and so i also laughed at him saying that because it is i think right on um and just makes things like financial planning and these kinds of decisions feel very isolating and very 
um, like you're kind of on it on your own or you're dealing with it with your family and you get advice from them, but not necessarily from your network and from the people that other people that you love, your friends, et cetera. So mm -hmm. it's, it's weird and strange, but he, I think he put that really well. Um, that that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, when I was speaking with him, I said the same thing. I was like, yeah, I think that is right. I know a ton more about all these other topics than I do about my friend's, you know, unique financial position. Um, so, Ashley, you meet with Wilson. You talk through big picture. He makes you think about things a little differently. What are your what are your next steps? Like, where, where do you go from here? Yeah, I think for me, the next step is definitely to prioritize this right now. Um, and that means meeting with someone more regularly, as you said. Um, I think that because I have the time and kind of, I guess, capacity to put a little bit more structured thinking about figuring out my finances, it's, it's the time for me to do that. Um, and so I'm going, I'm, because I had this really great conversation and this really just kind of kick off um, to thinking a little bit deeper about my why and my, you know, and what I'm trying to do. Um, I'm definitely more motivated to take the next step and, and yeah, meet with people and, and, and pick their brain on what I can do to um, kind of reach my financial goals. That's awesome. That is really great. Um, Ashley, you've been through the whole process with Kindness of the Crowd. I talked to you about the premise of the show. We, you know, we obviously had our interview together. You've now met with someone to, to try to help you. What are your thoughts? Like, what are your what are your takeaways of the of the project, the premise? And yeah, just kind of your experience. I'd, I'd love to hear about it. I love the idea of Kindness of a Crowd. Um, I think I told you before that I am not someone who typically asks for help. Um, it's just not, even if it, even from people who I love, I just try to just get things done myself. I'm very, that's probably the one thing I'm stubborn about is like, I'll just figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, and I like that about myself, but I also recognize that when I do ask for help, I get a lot farther, a lot faster. Um, and so just the idea of, you know, podcast aside, me coming to you and saying, hey, Jonathan, this is something that's actually really stressing me out right now mm -hmm. and something that's really top of mind. Do you know someone who could help me with it? Um, probably would have been a good step without this podcast, right? Yeah. We're, we're close friends. We talk about a lot of things. Right. Um, and so I love that you're doing this to kind of help bridge that. And I also find that if someone texted me tomorrow and said, hey, I know this person who needs, who wants to talk to you about this, I would gladly do it. Like there's no, there's no part of me that would not do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's a great concept to, you know, see, see how far this can go and see how generous people will be with their time. Um, and I'm not surprised that people are and will be, um, but it does make me realize that I should tap into that more often. Yeah, tef totally. I mean, I, I feel the same way. Like, um, definitely exactly, exactly what you said, get a lot farther if you just ask, right. Be a little bit vulnerable. So, um, 
Anyways, Ashley, thank you so much to the point of being generous with your time. I really appreciate it. You've been super generous. Uh, This has been a ton of fun. So anyways, thanks again, Ashley. It's been awesome. Thanks, Jonathan. I enjoyed this wholeheartedly. Thank you for asking me to be a part of it. All right. Well, that was episode one of Kindness of the Crowd. A big thank you to Ashley Brown and Wilson Muskinen. It was such a pleasure speaking with both of them. I learned a ton from this experience, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. That is all for episode one. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.